You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.ca. Here's the message. We're going to be in Psalm 27. If you got your Bible, Psalm 27. And uh, I'm going to call this part two of uh, a couple weeks ago, I gave you a message, living or languishing. Uh, I think thriving in your design could fit with that too. So this is either part two or three, depending on who's counting. Uh, but hey, we're, tonight we're talking about the power of one thing, the power of one thing. And a couple weeks ago, I, I gave you this, uh, really this, this foundation to look at, you know, the Bible lets us know that God has so much in store for us plans to give us a future and a hope to to bring redemption and healing and salvation and freedom. And there's so much that Jesus paid the price for through the cross. He's made a way for us to know and experience. Uh, In John 10.10, Jesus said that, uh, he he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, I've come that you may have abundant life. So we looked at the importance of living and not languishing uh, and experiencing all that God has. And tonight I want to give you what I think is a foundational key to that, especially Especially in your walk with God, because I, I, as we've already talked about tonight, Jesus didn't come to give us religion. He came for us to experience and know God for ourselves, for us to be saved, not just from something. And I thank God that he saved me from separation from him. I thank God that he saved me from hell uh, and, 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 and eternity and a life without him. But Jesus saved me not only from that, but he saved me for something. The Bible says that we were created by him and for him. And so life finds its fulfillment and purpose in knowing Jesus, in knowing and experience God. It's what we were created for. People spend their entire lives searching for and, and trying to fill their hearts with so many things that ultimately leave them purposeless and empty because you were created for God. We were created to know God. It's what we were born for, to not just know religion or get information or check religious boxes, but to actually know and experience freedom in Jesus. And so tonight we're looking at, starting with the, uh, the psalm, Psalm 27 is a psalm of David. And David's one of my favorite people in the Bible to talk about uh, and look at because we have so much, probably more about David than anybody else outside of Jesus in the entire Bible because we see his ups, his downs. And not only do we see his history and the story about his life and how God called him and raised him up and how God worked through him to to bring freedom and victory to Israel and raise him up as a king uh, and how God, God promised to give him descendants that would sit on that throne forever, ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. But of all the things we see of David, we also kind of catch his heart because he wrote many of the Psalms that the, the, the book of Psalms uh, record. And these are worship songs. These are praise songs. They're prayers even. And sometimes they kind of show where he was struggling, but also how he found victory in God. And Psalm 27, we're just going to look at the first few verses. It tells us this. This is Psalm, uh, the Psalm of David, chapter 27 verse 1, the Lord is my light, he says, and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? That's a good place to start right there. The Lord's my light, and he's my salvation. Whom shall I be afraid of? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Can I tell you, David's not just writing poetically, he's lived this. I think the best messages are lived ones. 
Not just theory, but they're lived ones. They're ones that come out of a place of actual lived experience. And David has experienced what it means to have nobody else but God. When he found out that God was all he had, he found out God was all he really needed. And David, from the very beginning, experienced God's victory and his hand upon his life when he was all alone taking care of his father's sheep and God protected him and used him to give uh, victory over the lion and the bear that came to eat the sheep and kill them. When, when Goliath challenged Israel, God was with David and gave him victory over Goliath. Time and time again, David found out God's faithfulness. And sometimes you find the faithfulness of God, not just in the seasons where he's blessing you and, and, and providing for you and there's supernatural, the answers to prayer and all those things, but sometimes you find it in the battle. You find it when you have nobody else but God. He says, whom shall I be afraid of? He says, God was my light and my salvation. Though an army may encamp against me, you know, we read that and think of a couple people that don't like us at work couple difficult family members, which none of us have difficult family members, right? Okay, good. You know, but, but David's actually literally lived this. Armies have encamped against him. He says, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. He's confident in God, and here's why. And this is where I want us to focus in tonight, is verse four. Verse four is, I think, you know, I, I don't like to say the secret because <laughs> it's not a secret, uh, but, but the secret to experiencing the fullness of a relationship with God. There's more that you're created for, more than what religion even said. See, religion reduces things just to principles, and principles are fine, but God wants you to know the person of Jesus. He wants you to experience his, his presence in a very real, personal way. And when you find that and discover that, you become and experience all that God has for you. And here's what David says, one thing I've desired. One thing I've desired. You know, David would become a king, have a kingdom, have success, wealth, victory, overcame his enemies. To what I can recall, there wasn't a single battle that he had lost as long as he was fighting God's battles. And David, even in times where he had setbacks, God, you know, his, one of his sons tried to take the kingdom from him. God restored him to the king. All, all these things. David would find one thing after another. But you know, David says, there's one thing I've desired. It's not to be great. It's not to have more. It's not to, to be more successful. All, all those things. Because, the, you know, as we saw a couple weeks ago, the, world, the way the world defines success sometimes is skewed. But to know God means that no matter what is happening around you, you can overcome. No matter what's happening to you, you're blessed. No matter what's, what people are saying, you're favored. <laughs> David, David knew the secret. He's like, listen, I've got, I've got the source. I, you know, healing is nice. It's even better to know the healer. You know, and provision is nice, but it's even better to know the provider. And, and it's good to see the miracle. It's good to experience the answer to prayer. But it's even better to know the one that gives it. One thing I've desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Four things he points out. He says, one thing I've desired 
And that's what I'm going to seek after. He's seeking something. So seeking is the first part. He's dwelling. He desires to dwell. He desires to behold, and he desires to inquire. So we're going to look at those tonight. It starts with the desire. He says, one thing I've desired. You know, it's, it's just kind of human nature. You really ultimately do what you really want to do. That's why there's some things we kind of work up our, our, you know, intentions are fine, and we intend to have things in our life change, but intentions don't carry you very far. Desire will. What you really want more than other things is what's going to direct your life. What you desire, what you delight in, what you pre- are preoccupied with, that's what's going to be the pursuit of your life. And that can be both negative and positive. Uh, James tells us that we're drawn away when we're tempted. We're drawn away, not even by the, the lie and temptation of the enemy, but actually by our own desires. See, the devil can't tempt you with what you don't have a desire. And so that's why it's not enough for me to try to just deal with the temptation or the deceptions or the lies, and, I, and we need to do that, but we have to get to the root, which is desire. When, when God changes my desires, it changes my direction. Because if I, if I desire something that's destructive more than I desire what's good for me and what's God for me, what's God's purpose for my life, I'm ultimately going to follow that. So if I change my desires, though, and that's why God's given us, that's why it's so important to be in God's word every day. That's why it's important to spend time with Jesus every day. That's why it's important to pray and worship and all those things, because it changes your desires. You're going to want what you feed on. You've heard me say that many times before that, you know, I, I, I found this out the first time I did the Daniel fast. If you don't know what the Daniel fast is, it's typically three weeks of just eating vegetables or something related to that. And so, so the first time I ever did that, well, anybody who really knows me knows that I, you know, that's like, I might as well be totally not eating anything. Because <laughs> all the stuff I eat was off the table and all the stuff I should be eating was and my wife made me this really delicious soup that was a mixture of all these different vegetables that I never had eaten in my entire life. And, and the first few times I ate it, I pushed, I didn't want it. It didn't taste good to me, even though it was good for me. Okay, so, so, but something happened over the course of those three weeks of fasting, I got hungry enough. <laughs> Where anything tasted good. And, and, and But what happened was the more I fed on it, the more I desired it. And so that's why it's so important to get in, the, in God's word. You may be honest and say, you know what, I just don't want to read the Bible now. I don't want to pray. Well, start where you're at and start feeding on his word. And something's going to begin to happen as you consistently spend time with Jesus. You're going to begin to desire more than you did before. And you'll get to the place where you can't even go one day without being in the word. One day without spending time with Jesus first. Because it's, and it's nobody, nobody, you know, forcing you or, you know, making you feel bad. Oh, I should pray more. I should, no, no. You desire it because you want to be with him. Your desires change. One thing I've desired, he said, he found out from spending time with God that, his pursuit of God actually increased his desire for more. More of God. 
So you will want what you feed on. You'll want what you, what you spend time with. Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you comes to God must believe that he is. So that's, that's a good starting point. Believe that God is, but also that he's a rewarder of those that what? Diligently seek. To seek is to pursue. I think it was Augustine who said, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. There's something we're seeking in life, but until we seek God, we'll never find what we're really looking for. But when we seek him, we find out what our life's purpose is, what we're created for. And and this is so important. It says that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So as I spend time seeking him, God always meets me. And it may look different every time. It may take different avenues, but God is faithful to meet us. He promises to meet us when we seek him. I love this, Isaiah 45, 18. For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, who is God, who formed the earth and made it, who established it, who did not create it in vain. But he actually created it, formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. But the next verse tells us how personal he is. Because not only did he create everything for a purpose, he said, I didn't make it in vain. I created it to be inhabited. He says, I didn't create it in vain. He says, I've not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, to my people, I didn't say, seek me in vain. Just like God didn't create things in vain, God didn't invite you and I to seek him in vain. Why is that important? Because religion promises what it can't deliver. But that's not the way God works. He invites us to pursue. And in the pursuit, he says, when you seek me, you'll find me. Church, no matter how much you've known of God, there's so much more. No matter how much you've experienced, there's, there's more. There, there's so much more. So number one, I've got just three simple points from this passage. Number one is this, seek until you dwell. Seek until, because what does he say? One thing I've desired and that will I seek. And then he says to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, the purpose of seeking is actually to be at home with God. Not just when we get to heaven when we die, but to actually know and abide with him now. See, I want to get so close to God that going to heaven doesn't feel like meeting a stranger. Okay. We can seek until we dwell. And this is important because there's actually a purpose in pursuing God. It's to know him and abide with him, to have relationship with God. It's what enriches your prayer life. It's what enriches the word. It's not just a religious exercise, but you're actually spending time with a person, the person of God. And he invites us to seek him. I love this, David, uh, or not, it's actually, it wasn't David. This is one of the other psalmists, I think the sons of Korah, said this in Psalm 84, three, even the sparrow has found a home. Even the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord. In other words, the, the psalmist is, is recalling how there's even altars at the temple where birds have set up their nests. And he says, they, even they have a place. Even they have a home. He says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will yet ever be praising you. They will still be praising you. Why? Because they dwell in your house. So, so the, he, he's pointing to 
the, the psalmist is pointing to this, this principle of dwelling. So I don't know what it is. I think it's just a kind of our nature that we tend to think of our relationship with God just as transactional. I'm seeking to get an answer. I'm seeking for a result. I'm seeking for a, a miracle. I'm seeking, and, and what I love about God is he's so faithful to meet us in all those ways. But again, what God's after is to have us seek to dwell. Because when you dwell and you know, the Bible talks about how Israel knew the acts of God. They saw the miracles, they saw the signs, they saw the Red Sea parted, all of that. But Moses knew the ways of God. Why? Because he every day would seek God. You look at the story of Moses, and anytime he faced a crisis, he'd fall on his face before God. You know, leadership problems, go to God. Family problems, go to God. Like, every one of those, that's what he did. And he would go before God and he would dwell in God's presence. And that became, I think, the key to Moses being one. When all of Israel said, let's go back to Egypt, Moses didn't. He had staying power, not because he had, you know, some kind of, uh, because he was stronger or had more willpower of himself. No, no, he dwelt in the presence of God. And so he would say to God one day, he says, God, Um, If you take us into the promised land, or you send us to the promised land and give us all that you promised to us, but if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't want it. What makes somebody pray like that? I don't know a lot of people that would pray like that. God, you can fix all my problems in my life, answer every prayer, (laughs) but if your presence isn't there, like I'm not dwelling and abiding with you, I don't even want that. Like, that, that's pretty radical, but it's somebody who's in love. And, and I think it's what marks people who have staying power. It's what marks people who live and not languish. It's what marks people whose faith is still strong and flourishing even gener- or decade after decade after decade. <laughs> I love this, Psalm 92, verse 12, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. I don't want to be on fire for God for a day, a week, a month. I want my entire life for the rest of my life to go 100% after Jesus. I've tried it every other way. It doesn't work. (laughs) Oh, but he's so much better than anything else we can pursue. And when I pursue him, I become a better father, a better husband. Everything I'm called to do flows from that place first of dwelling with him. Okay. Let's go back to David real quick, because 2 Samuel, you know, there was, there's one moment in the story of David where he lost sight of that one thing. There's one moment in his life where he lost sight of that, and it almost completely derailed his life. It says this in 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, it happened in the spring of the year at that time, at the time, excuse me, when kings go out to battle. You know, it's just practical. In winter, you don't wage warfare. It's freezing. <laughs> but there was a season 
when not only armies but kings were expected to be on the battlefield. And this year, David decides, I'm gonna send somebody else. I'm gonna phone it in. I'm gonna have somebody else do my fighting. I'm gonna have somebody else do my warfare for me. And I'm gonna stay back. I'm gonna disengage from my purpose just for a season. I don't know why. Maybe he was discouraged, maybe he was distracted, maybe he was just tired, maybe he was tired of, of pushing and advancing, and I, I don't know. There's lots of reasons people lose sight of the one thing that matters. Sometimes they just think it's just easier to let my flesh direct instead of God. And, and, and David at the time when kings should go to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they fought. They destroyed the people of Ammon, besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. When David disengaged from the one thing that was his life's pursuit, when David disengaged from his purpose, this is why it's so important to know what your purpose is. Because when you disengage, when you don't know you have a future, you'll go back to your past. When you disengage from your promise and your purpose in God and your pursuit of his presence, that's when there's vulnerability. And David ends up on the rooftop and he sees Angelina Jolie. I mean Bathsheba. And she's on the rooftop bathing because all the guys should be at war. David stayed home. And David makes one of the worst decisions of his entire life. And it doesn't just lead to one sin and compromise, but it actually leads to a cascading effect where he has her husband killed. I mean, it's like a mafia story. It's crazy. To cover up his own sin. David, in that season of his life, forgot his purpose and his one thing. Now, thankfully, God restored him and he repented and he turned to God and God was so gracious to meet him right where he was at. But I just want to remind you today, see, our greatest vulnerability is when we lose sight of the one thing that matters. We lose sight of our pursuit of God and his presence, our pursuit of our calling and purpose as his people. Okay, number two is dwell. So he says, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and behold the beauty of the Lord. See, number two is dwell until you behold. See, we pursue until we find him, and then in the pursuit, when we find him, here's what we do. See, I don't just, when I pray, can I just give you some practical stuff? I don't just go through a list anymore and go, here's what I need, and here's what I need, and here's what I need. That's fine. That's a, that's a degree of prayer, but I've found that I, prayer is much more enriching when I pursue him, when I pursue him first. Spend time with God, spend time in worship, and spend time behold. Because here's what it says, we behold him. Now what does that look like? 2 Corinthians 3, 16, Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil, the veil over our heart that has kept us from seeing and recognizing God at work, the veil's taken away. See, lots of people see through a filter. It's hard now to go on social media and know what pictures are real anymore. <laughs> I, I, I've, and the problem is when we see God through a filter of religion, through our own experience, through our own brokenness, 
we, we don't see God as he is. We see God as we see through a filter. And when we, see, when, we, when we turn to Jesus, the veil is taken away, and God begins to reveal who he really is. And, and, and that's what he's saying here. And now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Aren't you glad for that? Where the Holy Spirit shows up in our lives, there's freedom and liberty. That's the result. How do you know if something's from God? Are you getting more free or less free? Well, you know, they, they told me I was supposed to try, you know, do this, follow these five things, and here's what I'm supposed to do. And we burden people with things that bring no joy, no peace, and don't draw them closer to Jesus. My job is to point people to Jesus. Our job as the church is to bring and point people to Jesus because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. This next verse is so important, verse 18. And you've heard me share this verse. This is like a key verse for me because this is the key, I think, to real-life transformation. When we move from dwelling to beholding, we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Do you know how you change your life? I mean, really change your life? Behold Jesus. See, I, I, I don't know. There's this idea of introspection that I think sometimes is harmful because we look in ourselves expecting to find perfection. Have you ever looked in yourself looking for perfection and found it? Okay, good. I'm not alone. You know, but when I behold him, I'm beholding perfection. When, when, I, when I behold Jesus, I see what perfect love looks like, and then it helps me to love people in my life. I go to God, I'm like, God, those, that, that person was so difficult. Did you see what they did? Did you see what they, and then I behold Jesus and I go, oh, that's what love looks like. That's what forgiveness looks like. That's said on a cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. As he was nailed to that tree. As I behold Jesus, I become transformed. The more I spend time with him, I mean, we just see this with kids. Uh, you know, you, you get a group of kids together and they start talking like each other. They start behaving like each other. They start, you know, we, we, we emulate what we honor. We reproduce what we're in the presence of. And so the key, if I want to see change in my life, is not just trying harder, making a better list, working harder at it. It's beholding Jesus. And when I behold him, something happens. I realize first my need. I go, God, I need your help. I'm absolutely dependent on you. But then I find his grace to strengthen, to transform, to heal, to set free, to deliver, to make me what he's created me to be. The third one is this, inquire. He says, I, I go from pursuing and seeking, and then I go to dwelling and beholding, and then he says that I may inquire of the Lord. Do you know what it means to inquire? It means to ask. Now, I think we, we flip this and we miss something. We start with inquiring. We start by asking, and asking's fine. It's what we're, we're supposed to do in prayer. You know, when Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, it's known as the Lord's Prayer, not, but, but it's, a, it's a model, not for religious repetition. <laughs> I'm just gonna be honest. Religion messes up everything it touches. And so the disciples come to Jesus one day, and they ask him. They ask him a very important question. 
Lord, can you teach us to pray? Just like John taught his disciples. Because they see something in Jesus they're not seeing anywhere else. They're seeing something in Jesus that they're not finding anywhere else. When Jesus prays, things happen. You go, of course, he's the son of God. Why wouldn't he? Well, yes, he's the son of God, but he's also the son of man. Fully God, fully man. And as the son of man, he's modeling, this is what normal looks like as a Christian. It's different than life without God, absolutely. I mean, just think about this, church. If you've got the Holy Spirit, the God who formed the heavens and the earth living on the inside of you, do you think something's gonna be different? Do you think it affects something in your life? Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and here's what Jesus, Jesus goes from prayer to prayer with miracles in between with the event in between. But he's, he spends time with the Father, and then he goes and spends time with the Father. Goes to the mountaintop, multiplies the loaves and the fish, back to the mountaintop. We flip that. We're pursuing an event. We're pursuing something to happen. God, do this, do that, answer this prayer, make this happen, and we're adding prayer as an extra. Jason, if you and the team will get ready. We throw in our prayer on the way to the next thing. Jesus says, well, let me show you how to pray. And he tells him, verse two, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. What does he start with? He starts with relationship. He starts with, a, he says, say, our Father who's in heaven, holy is your name. He goes from relationship to worship. And then he says, Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then, then you start asking, God, give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our trespass. He goes through the whole thing. But here's the point. We start with the inquiring. He starts with the worshiping. He starts with, the, we, we, we start with inquiring and we miss the person who's inviting us close. And if you know the person of God, if you find him, nothing else will move you. <laughs> Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Church, that's not just for pastors and preachers. and That's for everybody. That's for every Christian, every believer. I want to close, you, close with this. If you'd stand to your feet. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul prays for the church. And the whole prayer is amazing. You can read it in chapter 3. But he's pointing them to have their hearts make room for God. He says, like, Christ dwell in your hearts through faith. The word dwell means literally to be at home at. Jesus wants to be at home in your heart, at home in your life. Not just live there transactionally, but actually you make room for him. And what's amazing about God is you make room for God, he's gonna fill it. Make room for God in your family, he's gonna meet you. He, he ends this prayer and here's what he says, now to him who is able. As, as we finish this today, I wanna challenge you to pursue the one thing that matters. There's not a person alive who doesn't have a purpose. Not one. Every person has a purpose from God. 
And when we find him, we find our purpose. Every person has an identity from God, has worth and value, but we try to find it in everything else, what people think, how much we have. Problem with that is it'll never be enough. People will never say the right thing. (laughs) If you're looking for someone else to be your source, you're always gonna come up disappointed. But when God's your source, you always have what you need. When he's your father, and he's where you get your identity, when, when, when he's your healer, it doesn't matter what the report says. Now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. I don't know about you, I could think of some stuff. Like, I'm already praying for some impossible things for River City Church. (laughs) But here's what's amazing. He says, I'm able to do exceedingly abundantly what you think. I can pray for some amazing things for my family. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. How about you? Whatever you're praying for, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above. All that we ask or think, can we, can we put this on the screen? Ephesians 3.20, it's the last verse. According to the power that's at work in us. That's that Holy Spirit that's dwelling on the inside. That's that God that in pursuing, he says, you'll seek me and you'll find me. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. What can God do? If you and I will do what David said, one thing, God, there's one thing I'm after and it's you. There's one thing I'm after and it's you. No matter where you're at in your walk with God tonight, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus and tonight I wanna tell you that God loves you. He didn't just say I love you, people will say it. He showed it on a cross when he sent Jesus to die on the cross, take our sin, take our shame take our place so that we could be forgiven and free. We, we feel shame. We, we carry a past that we cannot change. But we come to Jesus and he forgives us of our sin, gives us a future and a hope with God. One thing I desired. He's worth pursuing, church. He really is. I want to challenge us to move beyond what religion said was possible and encounter the reality of the living God who loves you, who's for you, and he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above in your life. I'm ask our prayer team to come down and we're gonna close in worship tonight. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.